Welcome, everybody, to the Fundamentalists Podcast. My name is Elliot Morgan, and I'm here with my podcasting partner and very good friend, Dr. Peter Rollins, who I also live with and watch sleep when he uh, is asleep. And uh, it's one of my favorite things to do. It's the only way I can get to sleep. I need a stranger watching me. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, but I, I, you think I'm a stranger? Well, we're all, you know what? We're all strangers to ourselves and to each other. And that's what we do on this podcast, guys. We talk about that kind of crap. And so uh, we're going to you know, talk. I, I actually, I did, a, I did a little video recently and I called it a friend is just a stranger you haven't met. Because in a sense, you know, way people say this, a, stranger a stranger is just, just a friend. friend. Yeah, met. it's like no. In one way, your friends are strangers, and if you don't know the strangeness of your friends, you haven't met that part of them. Yeah, yeah. I think we've discovered that with the Valley folk. We've we're now so close mm-hmm. that we know too much. It's yeah. like we've seen that we're all a bunch of weirdos, and there's no like. Yeah, and then you learn it about yourself, and that's always fun too. Because I, find, I, you find out that you're, we're all weirdos. But anyway, I don't no. think that's what you mean. You mean strangeness, like yeah, although the, the weird unknown. as well. Okay. Weird is, uh, I think that's a dimension of human beings. That's what makes us unique. Is not our social existence in the world where you're kind of normal. It's it's your idiosyncratic fears and desires. Yeah, that, that the, really, good stuff, yeah the, the good stuff, the fun stuff. Yeah. Well, anyway, guys, this <laughs> yeah. is a podcast where we talk about um, life and we talk about it through typically uh, philosophy and psychoanalysis and all sorts of fun stuff that Pete knows more about than I do. Um, and I'm like an armchair fan of these things. And so I like talking about it and applying it to life. And it's very enjoyable. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can go to trywink.com slash the fundamentalists. Uh, and that just basically, if you sign up and you order wine, we get money, and then we use that money for um, drugs. Drugs, yeah. yeah. It just goes into editing the podcast. And so well, you it. you told me that um, I owed eighty bucks. Yes, that's great. Yes, Although we'll just put that into editing directly so, back. Still, yeah, it'll yeah. just go. Yeah, <laughs> but it's yeah. still nice to know. Um, it feels yeah. nice though. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, it's very fun. So we're we're on this particular episode. The last episode we did was very fun. We were yeah. also on a couch, but I was out of my mind yeah. because I was in Las Vegas and I was out of my mind. But it ended up being a, I. I don't think anybody noticed. Good, I think good. you got away with it. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure I didn't say anything. Uh, we did shots before that episode. Did That's I say right. that on the podcast? I yeah, think I did. did. I think you did. Yeah, yeah. that was really fun. From an alien head. Yes, yeah. yes. It was a, I got gifted. A friend got me a, a very nice, classy alien skull thing of vodka. And, so that, I'm a, I'm and that was destroyed fan. that day. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I'm a I'm a fan of vodka. I love um I love I haven't gone to many, but you know those Russian bars that often mm-hmm. like just have so many different vodkas. Yeah, and often you have to dress up like you have to wrap yourself up because it's it's in a kind of refrigerated area. Is that true? Yeah, there's really? a few of them like that. Yeah, you That's go, pretty you go cool. in and they give you they a make it seem like cold, cold, desolate Russia. Yeah, and then sometimes you you can be drinking off like a frozen top oh that uh, sounds fun top, yeah i mean it sounds like there'd be too many people but it sounds fun yeah we it should do that one yeah. night i think there's a few of them in la yeah if there should be a drinking game where you and me during the podcast make plans to do something that requires more effort than the normal that we'll then, never do yeah that we'll never do <laughs> yeah. like there's i'm yeah. sure a whole list of activities yeah. like, i mean the, the only effort in that is that we have to leave the house but that that's a lot of effort it's sometimes. A, yeah, yeah exactly you're already kind of losing <laughs> i'm surprised we both got to vegas and survived vegas and yeah. got out of vegas so anyway yeah. uh this episode we are you have kind of something i I don't want to say it's an announcement but it's sort of you're going to talk a little bit about something that you're working on and we're going to talk about something in relation to that so take it away see where it goes yeah yeah well here's a funny thing about this 
is that you, I think it was on New Year's Eve, arranged a last minute New Year's Eve party. Mm-hmm. And it was it literally on the day of New Year's Eve? Literally New Year's Eve, yeah. Really fun. And I was like, nobody's going to come. Everyone will have things to do or whatever. But actually you brought together a really interesting and lovely bunch of people. Yeah, right. Good it was kind of really people. cool night. Yeah. Um, but families, children. There were yeah, children. There were supposed children, to be dogs. Yeah, we did poppers. Is that uh-huh. what you call them? Yeah, poppers. Yeah, yeah. And that's okay. not just the drugs. I was going to say yeah. poppers, the drugs. Yeah, um, the kids just did those. Um, mm-hmm. So it was a really nice night. But I remember at one stage, this guy was asking me about some of the film stuff I was doing. Yeah, and I was telling him, well, actually, friend uh, Isaac. Uh, yeah, Isaac, great guy. And he was uh, he was remembering that the last time I talked to him that I talked about the Making Love movie. So he was asking me about that. And I said, well, in 2019, I want to do another short. I want to produce a short called Mustard Seeds. And he asked me about that. And so I told him... It's a sexy it's title. On. I mean, it's yeah. a provocative title. Everyone likes... Yeah, it's, it's just like Making Love. Yes, Mustard just like seeds. Making Love. Now that yeah. I've done Making Love, perhaps now I can turn my attention finally to mustard seeds. To mustard seeds, yeah. So I told him the story, and I just remember one of your comedian friends listening to the story, and then just uh, a lot of uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, what do you call on, on clean language? Profuse. Profuse. Or no profanity. It's not, profanity. It's a lot yeah. of profanity. It's like what the hell am I walking yeah, into? Yeah, yeah, what yeah. is this? And um, I felt like I was a real diner on the party right yeah, there. I, yeah. told, I told basically the most depressing story you could ever imagine. And that's what we do on this Eve podcast, party. you guys. Welcome. Yeah. We're about to get a preview of what, how we celebrated the new year, which is with very sad stories. Yeah, I like to, I like to, I like to bring the despair to LA yeah. and to parties. So basically at 11.59 p.m. on New Year's Eve, I told the following story. Yeah, (laughs) gather around, everybody. Gather around. And just a little bit of context, what we're doing is we're going to make this uh, into a short film that's based in the first century Ireland. And um, so it's going to have this beautiful, stark Irish landscape, and it's probably going to be in the Irish language. So the story is this old Buddhist power. Is the Irish language called Irish? Uh, You call it Irish or, uh, uh, yeah. So there are people who speak Irish. Yep. Yeah. But you have an Irish accent, but you don't speak Irish. I don't speak Irish. Um, it's 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 not a dead language, but there's not that many places in Ireland where people speak it uh, as their first language anymore. Gotcha. But there are some places, you know. Um, so the story goes yes. that this young uh, woman gives birth to a beautiful baby girl. And uh, she is, you know, obviously in love with this little girl. But sadly, after only a few weeks, the child dies. So we're off to a good start, right? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. (laughs) Happy New Year, everybody. (laughs) So the child dies tragically, and she's distraught. Uh, She wraps the child's body in linen, and then she wraps the body to her room. And she goes in search of someone who can resuscitate her child, right? So the party's really, really going here. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And she goes to faith healers, and she goes to witch doctors. Just picture Pete holding, like, a glass of champagne, and kind of swirling it around and like While mingling at a story. party and be like, and then the, you know, sadly the baby dies. Yeah, that's probably the, it gets worse. So the child dies, uh, she wraps the, the child's body to her own, she goes in search of someone who can heal the child. Uh, but nobody can help, the village elders can't help, the faith healers can't help. But some of the people in the village say that high up in the mountains, there's this, uh, this, this mystic mm-hmm. who is so close to the divine that some people say that he can even raise the dead. And they go, you know, it might be a myth that he, the guy might be long since dead, mm-hmm. but we can't help you. So if you want, you should go in search of him. 
And so she does. She gathers together some provisions and she goes up into the mountains. And after a day's trek uh, where she sees nothing, she eventually comes across this small, humble dwelling. And she knocks on the door. And this old man comes to the door. And she bursts into tears and she says, listen, I don't know if you're the one they talk about in the village. Mm. And I don't know if you can help. But my child has tragically died and I must, I must have her back. Well, the old man takes pity on her. Uh, he brings her into the humble dwelling and he says, I am the one they speak about and I can help you. My name is Gary. Gary, yes, his name is Neville. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I am the one they speak about. I'm Fred. <laughs> yeah. um, and so he sits her down and says, yep, yeah, I'm, I'm the one they talk about. I can help. But first you have to bring me a handful of mustard seeds from a home that has not been touched by the black sun of suffering that has scorched your life. Bring me those mustard seeds and I will concoct a potion. And so the young woman goes back down into the village and she goes from house to house looking for these mustard seeds. But she can't find one home that hasn't been touched by death and suffering. And yet, as she hears the stories of other people's suffering, and as she's gradually able to speak about her own suffering, she gradually gets to the point where she is able to bury her child in the earth. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Pete Rollins coming in hot with the, uh, the dead baby story. Um, <laughs> yeah, man, I, I've, I think I have heard you say yeah. the story before, and it's a very interesting story. It, it sounds like a sadder version of the uh, he who has not sin cast the first stone thing where it's like if you haven't if you yourself don't have sin you can cast the first and you go oh i have sin like it sounds like a version of that okay well yeah maybe it's but that's from the bible pete uh, i don't know if you ever heard of that <laughs> yeah it's a different type of book yeah. but it's like that thing where it's like go and you find it and you you like you kind of know they're not going to find somebody who hasn't been touched by the what is it black sun of suffering yeah well, wow you can say it that way you can say it any way you want really. so you're so as a short film i mean like it's in, in wow and you're gonna have it in first century ireland yeah and it's gonna have beautiful landscape people sp speaking in irish i mean i'm very excited yeah and and the thing about it is right i'm not i've got i'm critical of a lot of self-help stuff um and uh you know we've maybe talked about that a little bit on fundamentalist we'll talk about it more i'm sure in the future but there is a certain dimension. when i get sucked back into it <laughs> yeah but there is a certain but there are certain things or certain pieces of advice or there's certain ideas that i think are helpful and the reason why i want to see this made into a, a short film is because i think this is actually incredibly good advice for life yeah that actually this is actually proper self-help yeah. that is ancient and that is intelligent and that is useful and and the the nutshell is that we can get so lost in our own suffering and imagine that other people have got these great lives and are getting on with things. And, and actually when we discover that other people also have their traumas and their difficulties that they have to work through, it actually can help us come to terms with our own. It's like the only thing that works. Like yeah. it's in it, I, it, there's like something about it that's also very based in just conversing with people. Yeah. And I think when you're in suffering, it's very easy like this in the parable, not to like that I have any business, you know, analyzing this type of thing. But like she is not, she's carrying her, you know, baby, her child with her. Yeah. But it seems to be that she's a very insular person. She's traveling alone. She's going, for, she's, she's being pointed in different directions, but it's a very like, singular her story and then the twist is that no it's like 
you just you learn that she's not the main character that she's she's just this like part of an ensemble cast yeah. of the rest or she, of the sufferers. she needs to be yeah, she needs to be reintegrated into community yeah, yeah that's yeah. kind of part of the story there's a few there's a few elements one is of course she's carrying the death with her like literally uh bound to her body yeah. which is a beautiful symbol of how often we carry our own darkness mm-hmm. it's bound to us it's it's ra- we actually we almost treasure it we wrap it and then we wrap it to our own bodies mm-hmm. and then the isolation that you're talking about she's on her own and then eventually she is reintegrated into a community of sufferers but in a positive way this is why the so- the story actually isn't sad at all because the woman is now able to move on. Yeah, she's mourning. Yeah, yeah she's, she's mourning. She's actually able to start to mourn. Mm-hmm. So it's a very, it's a very uplifting story, but in a very, I think, true way, mm-hmm. which is as you're integrated into a community where people can share that side of themselves, you can find healing and you can find a way to move forward. There's also like the thing where she's going up and she's like, got this baby and they're like, look, we've heard that maybe this Sherpa dude can, you know, do a little magic spell and your baby can come back to life. That he's so close to the mystical that, or the God, he's so close to God that, you know, even, even death, you know, can't, can't stand in his way. But like, that's one part of it. And, but there's always these stories and I like, you do a lot of these things in your, your work, but like, the parable starts as this kind of thing of like, well, is this going to be a story about being raised from the dead? Because something I think, especially if you grew up in Christian churches or any kind of religious environment, not any kind of religious, specifically Christian, being raised from the dead in any way, the idea of being raised from the dead is such a mainstay growing up. It's like part of our like, like, like the dead living is just such a weird, it's such a weird thing thinking back on because I don't think that's normal for kids, I guess, maybe who didn't grow up in like churches and stuff, but it's a strange thing to think that it's a significant thing. But anyway, it takes a turn because you go from this, like, is the baby going to get raised from the dead or is the baby not going to get raised from the dead to literally going, Oh, this isn't about the baby. Oh, this isn't even really about her singularly. It's about everyone, which is really cool. Like it's, it's, you're taking the power out of the question of whether miracles are a thing and instead focusing on the more important, the more like lifelike thing, which is the, someone actually processing their morning this yeah. has been deep thoughts with elliot thanks everybody <laughs> yeah i mean and but the and the the rule of the of the the old holy man is incredibly important because it yeah. is it is symbolic of how you can think about for example psychoanalysis but also how you can think about the true role of the priest um which is we often go to a psychoanalyst or a priest or uh, any other sort of religious or psychological healer and we think that their job is to bring back the dead, you know, to, to heal us, to, to help something be fixed. And actually, that's fine. What, the interesting thing about the holy man is he doesn't say to her, oh, I can't do that. I can't bring back your kid. He allows her to project onto him all of yeah. those things. Yeah, yeah, Just yeah, like yeah, an yeah. analyst does. Mm-hmm. An analyst allows you to project onto them all of your hopes and desires for, like, you know, getting that man or woman back mm-hmm. or fixing your life. But then what they do is they very, very subtly just change the, the goalposts. And what they do is they use your projections in order to invite you to look at the, the brokenness and to share it and to speak it. And then you discover that it's actually that that's healing. Yeah. So the, the story, I think, is very, very powerful because it, it actually, I think, shows what a true... Um, kind of, if you if you want to talk about a priest or whatever, the, what their real role is, is they allow you 
to imagine that they have some secret magic spell. They've gone to Hogwarts and they can do the, the magic. But then very gradually, really what their job is, is to integrate you into a collective yeah. of, 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 of real, authentic people and suffering. Yeah, there's also like the woman, you know, I feel like if it was modern day, the, the miracle of the story is not, um, it's the woman's decision to go try to find the mustard seeds. Like, because I feel like in the majority of life we see, or at least I've seen, especially now because mental health is like, talked about a lot uh right now and it's talked a lot about by people i think sometimes who don't know um i thought we've talked about this a little bit especially about like the self-help stuff but um it, it there's this thing of like the pandora's box and people being like i don't want to go into psychoanalysis and i don't want to go into therapy and i don't want to enter into that world because and i've heard this said by multiple people who are close to me when you do that when you go into like real hardcore therapy or hardcore whatever or even just communicating with people out in the world it literally can cause you to kind of like like the things start cracking a little bit mm. and i have heard as of late especially in florida and in the beginning of the year people just actively being like i'm not gonna do that like it's yeah. too like the it used to be i think that people viewed way more therapy and stuff like band-aids and sort of yeah. like i'll go to the drink and i'll fix my brain but i think word is getting out that like these types of things or or you know psychoanalysis specifically is a process of like just complete uh yeah. opening things getting that, worse going get into in the way absolutely that can get in the way like um uh, a roundabout way as a long-winded yeah no that's 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 very true like in a sense we have to have a type of fantasy that allows us to enter into the space and the fantasy is the thing that has to yeah. disappear but it's a fantasy of oh they're going to fix me this is going to be easy you're going to you're going to bring me away from the darkness not push me into it it's mm -hmm. like there's a trap door beside you of horrible things and you're like i'm going to the therapist to get away from that place yeah and the, the therapist is going to quietly push you into it mm -hmm. but if you actually know that in advance <laughs> you're less likely to go um and yeah that, that's that's why again this parable is fascinating to me is that that again, the holy man allows her to do all of the projection, the fantasy, and then he uses that in order to bring healing into yeah. her life. It, the the beautiful thing it seems is that um, the 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 belief part, like like being okay for this holy man to be like your beliefs. I mean, maybe let's say he's a holy man; he believes what he's saying, but he doesn't. I mean, that like. Uh, he yeah. he knows that what he's doing. I assume he's he's aware of his goal is to heal his her. Goal, yeah, his goal is to reintegrate her into a yeah. And yeah. so he does that rather than focusing or proving or disproving someone's beliefs, which yes. I think is a very beautiful thing. That's very true. Like a, a lot of us, and I am you know it, it's in myself and everybody is that sometimes we can be very disparaging of people's, especially if it's childish beliefs, like mm -hmm. beliefs that are that that seem like the type of beliefs that a child would have but we all have those types of beliefs and the reason why we do is because life is so difficult that sometimes we like to hide away yeah we like to have security blankets like a child does we like to pretend that we're not going to die we like to pretend like we all act in childish ways at times and the holy man respects that because he knows that the reason why she has that is because she is in such suffering that she can't open herself up mm -hmm. to that and uh, i think that's very very important I, yeah. I i don't like it when i see people not respecting why we have often you know what might be seen as irrational beliefs yeah 
Well, that's fun too. That's like why why be a why be a buzzkill when somebody has yeah. some kind of crazy belief? I mean, unless it's like dangerous or something like that for them, yeah. then maybe you say something, but then you do it subtly. Uh, have you tried uh, these new weighted blankets? Oh no, I keep getting advertised them on yeah, the, on the Instagram. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I I'm gonna I'm gonna get a big old one. I think yeah. they're kind of magical. Is that where you thought this parable was gonna go? I was Is hoping he it was. was. He was gonna give her a weighted blanket. Yeah. He needed the mustard seeds to put into the blanket <sighs> to give it the right amount. That would have healed her immediately <laughs> if she had a weighted blanket. Um, yeah, uh, but anyway, um, yeah, I love that parable. What? Why? Why that for a visual short film? Are you trying to make a very, because I think what's going to happen is you're going to make an incredibly immersive version of this. Mm-hmm. Because, dude, I, I'm telling you, man, okay, make making love and, and you know, how good it was. Um, and I'm not giving you all of the credit no, for that. Helen, uh, Helen, director, Helen yeah. d- destroyed it uh, and made it wonderful. Uh, in fact, I'm giving you no credit. No, yes. but yeah. you kind of, like what you're doing with your work at this stage in your career. It seems to be almost like you're making these like very kind of art house films that are like like what a cool thing that you're doing, and you're yeah. doing it kind of step by step. And you're doing. I, I know this isn't like a like a. I'm not trying to talk shop or whatever, but it's really cool to yeah. see, and you're doing it without. You're not like a maniac with like a five year plan and a ten year plan. You're gonna do this. This is you're like. This is what I'm gonna do now. Yeah, like, and it. I, like it's partly because of the whole YouTube world. Like I'm thinking short, like a little short film. This will be maybe eight or ten minutes long. Mm-hmm. It, actually, if you put this onto YouTube, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people can see this, and it's a very beautiful message. I've told that story in audiences and had people openly weeping. Yeah, and people who have come up to me afterwards and and talked about how that story either reflected very directly their life experience that maybe they or someone they love lost a child, but also sometimes metaphorically that they lost someone they loved. It is they, an unbelievably beautiful story. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that the very, just the very, he, um, being immersed in that story opened, a cracked open something. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't bring healing in and of itself, but it can be a small part of a healing process. So I'm like, this is amazing that we can do this. and. And with something like YouTube, we can actually put on content like this mm-hmm. that someone can watch in their own home that can actually be part of a healing process for I would free. Think, for like, they won't cost anything. Yeah, to anybody. dude, it's yeah. gonna be amazing. I'm so, and people they they're getting they're gonna get such a such a gift. Yeah, you're gonna gift them with something. Um, the uh, back to the the parable and how beautiful the parable is. I also think there's something to like the uh, the the mentality of like. I don't have it that bad because other people have it worse is something that I'm not, I get kind of pet peevy about when people kind of use that mm-hmm. thing where it's like, they'll have something that they're lamenting or that they're going through and they'll be like, well, but I can't complain, you know, because, and then they say something, some idea of someone having it worse elsewhere. And I think that there is like a wisdom to that. And there's like a maturity, maturity to that. That's that I can't like say I don't agree with, but this parable isn't that this yeah. woman isn't going, Oh my gosh, you have it worse. Therefore, what do, room do I have to complain? She's yeah. entering emotionally into their spaces yeah. and finding out their darkest experiences. And then that is healing her, yes. but it's not done with this like kind of surface level, like, yeah. Well, if you think about it, so and so did this, and that's good. So I should be thankful for everything. It's like this constant weird, like, yeah. it's like no, nah, like let's just you 
process things. Everyone's on their it's own. A, yeah, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a bearing. There's a power and bearing witness to someone's suffering and someone bearing witness to your suffering. So yeah, in the story, all she is doing is going from home to home, and then each home is saying, "Well, we 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 don't have those mustard seeds because." that you know our grandfather is dying our father is dying our mother or we lost someone ourselves we've we've struggled with uh you know problems mm-hmm. with crops whatever whatever it is and Damn but weirdly crops. testifying pesky little crops crops yeah the uh but um bearing witness to other people's stories is very powerful now i think it's only the first step because sadly the next step is to realize that no amount of bearing witness works Ultimately, like there's a certain point in which we almost like people get into this where they almost want the whole world to hear their story. Yeah. And that can be its own damaging thing. But as it's it's kind of like AA, it's a community of people who are able to be honest about their brokenness and the various parts of their life that has been damaged by alcohol. And weirdly, just that space of grace where you're able to talk about it allows you to move forward and make positive changes in your life. And that, that's that's kind of what the story is about, that there's really two ways to build community. One is over the kind of what you have in common. Like we are, we have the same beliefs, we have the same views of mm-hmm. the world. And that kind of can fall apart very quickly. And the other is we realize that we are all humans struggling in different ways, radically different ways. And like I just talked to a woman who has lost... She's lost in the period of the last few years, her mother and her father and her brother and her sister. And when we talked about it, I'm like, well, that's, that's very few people are experiencing what you're experiencing mm-hmm. right now. Um, and we, we talked about that. I was like, you know, that, so that's, that's inc- incredibly difficult. Unfathomable. Unfathomable. But we, as, as we talked, we were also talking and going, but uh, all of us, either face the death of our parents at a certain point or more tragically we die first and then our parents have to face our death isn't that the worst man yeah. that's just so in different ways <sighs> we don't we don't get out alive we don't get well we don't get out of life alive but we also don't get out unscathed yeah um, we don't get in yeah. different ways and our, our each of our wounds are different we're gonna die hurt yeah <laughs> and that's it because freud says there's the traumas that happen to us in life but there is also the trauma that is life so the traumas that happen to you in life, they can be more severe or less severe. But even if you're brought up with very mm-hmm. few traumas in your life, there is still a trauma of life itself. And um, and we all share that. I was talking to somebody about like, I was like, it was their kind of situation and it was a very bad, very dark situation. And I just remember being like, this is bad. Like everyone kind of I think dismisses how bad things are. And it's mm. in, especially in that mentality of, I have nothing to complain about. Keep my mouth shut. Blah, 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 blah. But like, sometimes you just meet people like that where you're like, what you're going through, I can't. And especially, and this is difficult in my brain because I have a, like, I tend to want to be like, here's what, you know, this is what mm. I, yeah, I can, I can, we can figure this out. Like I can help. I can, we can, I'll, I know the right thing to do or be or say, and um, and then you meet people like who are going through certain things that I I have to remind myself that I have no effing clue what they're going through and all I can do is sit there and be like I ask hi like I don't know yeah like yeah. I can hug you I guess but yeah man but also that they are a glimpse into the truth I mean that's the other thing it's like it's that that it, in a but I want to put a positive twist on this uh, maybe if we've got time but but the 
what we try to deny on a regular basis is, of course, our own finitude and, and the finitude of those around us. And we try to avoid that. And, and the, these people who are going through a deep suffering, there is a sense in which they are seeing something that is deeply true of life that we often try to escape from. Now, it's not the full truth. No one has the full truth of life, but it is a dimension yeah. of a life that is um, that is that is a kind of a, a glimpse into the real. Yep. And it's incredibly, you know, it's like in the Bible, they talk about glimpsing the, the, the face of God. In other words, you, and you, you can't do it. You can't even glimpse without burning up. It's like that. So you have to do it in these really weird and direct ways. Oh, it's like yeah. the, the truth is so bright that um you know we can't look directly at it yeah we can't handle yeah. the truth we can but 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 someone who's going through a deep suffering there is something they are seeing about the world that we can learn from they are bringers of truth to us yeah and it's not in a negative way as in i do think that this is uh ernest becker's point and it was uh he used to be a very popular psychoanalyst in i think maybe the 60s uh, his whole thing is actually it's the denial of death. Ernest that Goes to the Therapy would be an excellent film, by the way. Okay, that's a good name. Ernest you, Goes to Therapy. Yeah, do you, are you familiar with the Ernest series? I am, um, yeah, but I can't remember what it is. I just when you say it, I'm like, oh, I've heard that phrase. Yeah, it's Ernest really fun. To, oh, yeah. But he, um, he, his whole point was it's actually the denial of death that causes despair. Yeah, the despair of not knowing you're in despair. Soren Kierkegaard would say the despair of not knowing you're in despair. But that actually being able to embrace the one who is in deep suffering is a gift to you. You're not just a gift to them because you're you're witnessing their suffering. So it should you're be a gift an honor. It should be, yeah. yeah. But they are also a gift to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like people like that who have been, who've touched that, that level of darkness, mm -hmm. they, in my experience, when I've... It, or I guess if I feel like I'm going through something, I tend to be like, or if you feel weak or if you feel broken or if you feel heartbroken, you feel like talking about it makes you shed in a very like, like people are not gonna have respect for you if you're just like, I just, this, you know, so they keep everything mm -hmm. inside. But I've never felt more respect than I do for people who've just like, like a lot of my friends have spent extended time in the hospital and they've come very close to death and they've gone, you know, they've gone through the gamut of things or they've um, lost people. And it's like, when you see those people, it's like, that's, you're right. It's like, when you, when you meet them, you're like, this should be, we should be celebrating, not celebrating, but like kind of celebrating the interaction that you could have with someone where you're just like, oh, you, you have a, you've tapped into something, you know, now something that, and on some level that I can't even begin to, yeah. to understand. And I know I, I couldn't, and I know they can't fully, but it's like, this is a, it's, if people knew how much like respect I think they are due for the suffering that they endure, then maybe it would be, maybe they'd be more likely to talk about, it. I don't know. Yeah. But and the, another big key of the, the parable in light of this is that the problem for many of us is that we cannot unbind our, our trauma from ourselves. Mm -hmm. So there's a point where she is able to take the child off her body yeah, and that's bury the, the child yeah. in the earth. Because the, the, a, a problem that we also often have is one is the denial of death, the denial of suffering, but we can also wallow in it yeah. to the point where we cannot let it go. And the whole point of this parable is that, that neither of those responses are good. Neither the response of thinking that you can somehow, you know, bring back the dead, bring back the dead child, nor that, that you should carry that body with you for the rest of your mm -hmm. life. 
there's something about you talk about it, you find a way to release yourself from it. Because here's a, here's a problem. It's a beautiful okay. story. Yeah. No, go ahead. Oh yeah, because a problem, and, I, and I've seen it in some lives of people I've worked with, them, is that you get to a point where you enjoy your suffering. And when you start to get pleasure out of your suffering, you cannot unbind it from yourself. Yeah. And so there's this real difficulty of going, and you could, people go, well, how can you enjoy your suffering? But you can romanticize it, you can get yourself- We've seen it, we all, yeah. We've all seen it. You know it when you see it. You know it when you see it. And, and, and often what you have to do is you have to show the person that they're getting something out of their suffering so that they can break free of that and let it go. Yeah. So- uh, Which that's never fun to hear. Yeah, those what? are those are the two things from the parables. That I love the language of that she buries her lost child in the earth. Mm. There's something like saying in the earth yeah. that just has like a like it's done. Yes. Like it is like it is back. It's yeah. we are we're we are moving on. There's a very beautiful like that's beautiful imagery yeah. to me for some reason I don't know it's all, like yeah a- and that's very key you know for me to say i i kind of i don't know that don't know if that's in the original or not, but it's the idea of the imminence of mm-hmm. the earth dirt the imminence of it, dirt it's also so opposite to traveling up to the mountaintop and finding the sherpa and sherpa or whatever and yeah. they're going to heal you and then you're going to ascend death will uh, mm-hmm. you know it's like you you literally the most beautiful part of the story is it goes yeah actually way down yeah. i love it man yeah. And this is this is this is by the way this is called dialectics. I, I'm. Uh, I think you've said this before. Yeah. But you've said the phrase. This is called dialectics. It's called dialectics. But in particular, <laughs> I'm going to start saying that in our conversation randomly. Just when for, you say uh, it, I'm going to avoid anything. Yeah, Pete. And actually, yeah. this is dialectics. This is, this dialectics. is called dialectics. But I, I'm I'm rereading a guy called Thomas Altizer. He was an incredible thinker. Died just in November, uh, at ninety one, and he was very famous for developing what's called radical theology. But his whole argument was basically, so you have this idea that, uh, say salvation is in the sky. And then what you have is the opposite of that, which is maybe going like, well, listen, you know, that view of we'll all be fine in the future, that's damage and whatever. So you give that up. But then the dialectic is saying, but in giving that up, you discover the truth of salvation. You, you discover the truth of healing. And that's what's happening in this story. So the woman wants the child back. She wants this miracle. And then she doesn't get the miracle. So that's the negation of the miracle. But then in the negation of the miracle, she gets the miracle. And the miracle is she's able to bury her child and remain, maintain the memory, mourn and and move Mm -hmm. on with her life. So you go from the sky to the earth to finding the the heavens in the earth. So you go from heavens to earth to the heaven within the earth. That's a kind of a dialectic move. And... uh, uh, it's it's it can be complicated to get your head around, but um, it's it's in that parable. I've definitely heard you explain dialectics uh, many times, and I have yet to be able to explain uh, what it is. But I always like when you explain, like I guess I kind of get it, but yeah. then I'm like I don't I don't really get it. Yeah. But I enjoy hearing you talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. So you're gonna make this into a short film. It's gonna be a blockbuster sensation. <laughs> Put it up on YouTube. Yeah. Um, what else do you got? What else you're working on right now, Pete? You're working on stuff. You got stuff going on. I got stuff going on. How? I, yeah. Well, that's that's the that's the biggie. Um, what else have I got working on? Oh, you've been doing a lot of work on your Patreon. That's the only thing I know. I'm doing that. And yeah, what are you? What are you, are you asking me this so that I'll <clears> just ask waiting you back? and waiting and waiting? What are you doing? Thank you, Pete. Yes. Thank you for asking. I'm gonna be uh, in Boston. On- 
February 17th. Uh, and I'm going to be at uh, Laugh Boston on a Sunday at 7 p.m. And tickets are available and you should come by. And I would love everyone to come by. And it's going to be very fun. Um, besides that, I'm working on a lot of Valley Folk stuff. And there's stuff that um, I'm so excited about right now that I can't even I can't even talk about. Yeah, no, uh, you've got a lot going. I think 2019 is going to be a really interesting year for you. Might be a little goofy. Might be a little yeah. bit of a goofy year, I think. Yeah. And I hope, anyway, at least this one particular thing I hope goes through. Actually, there's two things. There's Well, there's three things, but there's two. Yeah. Oh, man. We're in, we're in exciting times. Are you feeling optimistic about 2019? Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited about some of the, the projects that I'm kind of working on. This one being one of the main ones. I want to write a book, uh, finish a book that I'm writing on. Oh, and maybe doing a documentary on power theology. Yeah, which would be fun. Let's talk about that. Yeah. A documentary on power theology. Can yeah. I be interviewed? Yeah, well, you know, if it's that kind of documentary, it might be a very bizarre type of documentary. Oh, no, no, no. I want to, well, make it the kind where I get to be interviewed, please. Okay, yeah. Thank you. That. <laughs> I want to be in like a dark room and I want like, like uh rob bell had the his documentary yeah which was called Where the I heretic the worst hair ever you had it's very you looked, hilarious you looked worse than i've ever seen and right now worse than I've right ever now you look myself. like you, you're gonna make me a hot toddy is what is you look right? like you look oh, very yeah. cozy oh, like, i'm a very cozy irish uh uh cardigan yeah yeah because it's winter but no that right the story behind that one is when i moved from ireland to la in ireland we don't really notice ourselves like you don't know how crazy you look and then I, I forgot that I had to meet the guys to, to do the interview and I came in and my hair was just absolutely crazy mm -hmm. and, I, and I said to the guy do I look crazy and he was like no no you look fine but uh, the guy who did it he's a really lovely guy he has even crazier hair okay, than there I you go, yeah. so he, nah, he man, was not the right person <laughs> so I remember being in the cinema and I came on the screen and I was like oh my goodness is that what I look oh, like? That uh, is terrifying. That must have been. That was when you came on. Uh, it's a <laughs> literal movie screen, and you're in a movie theater. And I mean, your experience was what your experience was, but you don't care too much what people think of yeah. you. And I care about what people think of me. And then, but so therefore, I when not you popped up on the screen, I was like, well, I can't be associated with this yeah, man anymore. This is, I have to be right. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's like, Man, this man looks insane. You look like a like a ver you look like a philosophical Doc Brown from Back to the Future. That's right. Like you look like a. Just there was a few funny comments. Gone insane. Somebody said I couldn't get away. So it looks like Rob found Pete in the <laughs> in the in the alleyway at the back of his yes. house. Yeah, uh, it's like yeah, you yeah. Just burst out of a dumpster spewing Lacanian. Yeah, bullshit yes yeah. i know thoughts yeah know, yeah, yeah <laughs> not looking bullshit forgive me. same difference you know. thoughts. um do you cool. have any do you have any good takeaways by the way no, so i guess i dude that story is just so gosh darn beautiful i mean i think it's a perfect story to see visually i think the what you're talking about with um the the irish landscape i just think it could look really cool it could look mm. very game of thronesy and there could be something about it that does i bet it will move many people to tears like i bet you will i bet it sounds like it could be my takeaway is that what you are working on right now in relation to this and in relation to other things could be very transformative for a lot of people and i think that's very beautiful yeah no i'm excited and and i think we can do it for twenty five thousand pounds um, so, which is not a lot of money. Yeah. And if anybody who's listened to this wants to invest in it, fantastic. We're going to make it regardless. I'm going to put money into it. We're going to make it work. I think we're going to give it out for free, obviously on the internet. Mm -hmm. And, and um, I, I just, I'm hoping it will be useful to people. Yeah, I think you're going to get funding for it because I think it's one of those things that's just going to work. It's going to, it's going to serve a purpose that's beyond like yeah. a, it's not a vanity thing. Like it's the same thing, dude, with making love. Like you, you're putting out stuff that is 
high quality that uh, has. Although I am so, going to play the baby. Okay. Yeah. So it's a bit vanity project. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. a big of a bit of a stretch for you. Yes. Yeah. I've been doing some acting classes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Too. I hear you in there crying every yeah. night. Oh yeah. I, can I, do I that. know. I know that if I if I don't let you cry, you'll never learn. So I just let it go and go and go. Uh, and then every now and then I flip you onto your belly. <laughs> <laughs> always cheers me up. Yeah. Always. Che- it never fails to cheer me up. Yeah. yeah. Man. All right. Well. Cool. Oh, Thank you very much. Well, I just did take away. Oh, yeah, I thought I that was your takeaway. I'm so sorry. No, no, no. My takeaway is I had a takeaway, and it's kind of like um, it was. It went away. It's going away, but it's going to come back right now. Oh yeah, I just just uh, my takeaway is going to be about dialectics. Yes, because I just want to kind of like try to. I'm going to kneel that home a lot in the fundamentals yeah. in the future, so it's going to come up again and again. Get excited, like, folks! Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> buckle loose seatbelts. Oh um, boy, are uh, you guys excited? Okay, yeah. Um, is that in this? So dialectics works in the sense of there is a negation of something. So the woman wants the child to be to be healed, to come alive again. The negation is she doesn't get that at all. And then the negation of negation is in not getting what she wants, she actually gets what she wants. She gets the healing that she didn't expect. Now, a pure negation that's not dialectic looks like this. She wants the child to be healed and then she thinks it's impossible and she becomes a total nihilist and yeah. that the life is, is terrible and shit. That's a non-dialectic negation because it's a negation that is not erupting out of the affirmation and it doesn't lead to the truth of the original affirmation being re-seen. In other words, imagine someone who gives up religion and they give up religion and they become a total nihilist and they believe in nothing but relativism. That's a non-dialectic rejection of the religion. That's why but these people, that's why those people bore me. There's a lot. Those I mean, are boring people. Yeah, and, and it's destructive to the individual themselves. It's, yeah. It can be a very damaging experience but if they do and to anybody who has to have a conversation with them on twitter what's that oh yeah (laughs) and it's damaging to anybody who has to go that is true that's probably why i came off twitter um but a dialectic negation is where you reject the religion of your past but in the rejection and the utter rejection of that you actually discover the truth of it you discover the salvation that you renounce you discover the healing that you renounce and if anyone's listening to this podcast I just recommend you listen to that parable a few times and you will begin to perceive that process and you'll maybe it'll it'll bring to light a, what can be called a dialectic negation which gives you the truth of what you, of what you reject. I love it. I think people should listen to it over and over again. I think you're right. There you go. Wonderful. Thanks everybody. Thank you. Uh, and hopefully we'll be back next week. We'll be back next week. Bye everybody. Bye.